In our house, we have a seven and nine-year-old, so when we mention names like Fred Astaire, they have no clue who we're talking about. But I'm guessing that most of you do. A top singer, dancer, and actor in the U.S. over the years. But in 1932, when Astaire was starting out, a Hollywood talent judge wrote on his screen test, can't act, can't sing, can dance a little. For those who grew up in church, the parable of the talents is one of those stories where it's easy to say, that parable has nothing new to say to me. I think I'll make out my grocery list. Maybe Jesus doesn't have a fresh lesson on investment for you at this stage of life. Or maybe he does. The basis of the story is a rich man going on a journey and trusting servants with his property. Now, a talent was a sum of money worth about 15 years of a day laborer. And no, I don't want to diss Kristen. She, she simplified it for the children. But for us, when we think about it, um, if we compare it to today, the federal minimum wage is seven twenty-five an hour, which makes an annual salary of just over 15000 So the servant given one talent today would be about $225,000. That's one talent. One receiving two talents, about 450000 and the one receiving the five talents had over a million dollars. Now, if this is an allegory, then God is the rich man giving the talents to invest. It's supposed that our English word for talent came from this parable, so that a talent now is something that we are given, something that is innate. We are given talents to develop and use. And we may never reach the top like Fred Astaire, but we fail God, we fail each other, we fail ourselves if we dig a hole for our gifts and bury them there. Gary Enrig, in A Call to Excellence, tells the story, I've never read it anywhere else, but I'll trust him, (laughs) of Bertoldo de Giovanni, who was the student of Donatello, great sculptor. And he was the teacher of Michelangelo, another great sculptor. Michelangelo was 14 years old when he came to Bertoldo, but it was already obvious that he was enormously gifted. And Bertoldo was wise enough to realize that gifted people are often tempted to Coast rather than to grow, and therefore he kept trying to pressure his young prodigy to take seriously his art. One day he came into the studio to find Michelangelo toying with a piece of sculpture far beneath his abilities, and the teacher grabbed a hammer, stomped across the room, smashed the work into tiny pieces, and shouted this unforgettable message Michelangelo, talent is cheap. Dedication is costly. It took a lot of dedicated people to build and maintain Calvary Baptist Church. And I don't just mean the building. If you'll join the fellowship in the dining room after worship, you'll see some of the people and artifacts from our history, people who helped create the building and the congregation that we have today. 
Thousands of people through the years have dedicated their talents to the nurturing and the growth of this church, and we are fortunate to reap the rewards. They have passed the baton to us. As we receive our talents, will we be like the young Michelangelo, the inexperienced Michelangelo, the immature Michelangelo who wanted to coast through life? Or will we dedicate or rededicate our talents to our Creator to use them appropriately? When Church Council was first talking about how to celebrate our 120th anniversary, someone suggested that a mission project would be a good expression of our thankfulness to God for our history as well as a chance to express our love for Jesus by serving others in tangible ways. And I think we had every decade or almost every decade covered from age two, and then we had some in 11 11 and a teenager, and then we had uh, a couple in their 20s and 30s, 40s, 50s. The only one I'm not sure about is 60s. And that's because either some of you are really acting young or acting old. So, but, um, but we also had 70s and 80s covered all the way through in our 30-plus people who were active yesterday, which was a great joy to have that, that spread and the, the time for conversation and the time for doing things together and helping other people, but as well as growing our community at the same time. And so some at the Baptist Friendship House on Elm Avenue raked and cleaned and sorted clothes and trimmed shrubs. And at Samaritan Inn at Fifth and Salem, some cleaned bookshelves and pictures and others hung and sorted items for the thrift store. It really didn't take that much talent. (laughs) But it did take dedication. And when we worked together, it was surprisingly fun. And so we plan to do something like it again. When we invest ourselves in helping others, our time, our energy, our money, we become the hands and feet of our Lord Jesus. So we can pat ourselves on the back and go sit in our recliner and have a glass of iced tea and say, I am such a good and faithful servant. But the parable doesn't end with the master saying, well done, good and trustworthy slave. Even the servants who received two talents and five talents and doubled their investments while the Lord of the manor was gone couldn't rest on their laurels. The master said to them, you have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And he didn't say these words, and by that we but I think they fit. I will put you in charge of many things, and by that we enter the joy of our master. In addition, Jesus did not tell parables to make his listeners comfortable, but to put ants in our pants. So think about the third servant. What was the basic instinct that made the servant who received the one talent buried in the ground? Fear, fear. And another thing that that popped out at me this reading was 
he saw his master differently than the other two. Master, I knew that you were a harsh man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. I liked what one writer wrote, noted that fear in itself is a thing not sinful. Fear in itself is a thing not sinful, for it is not For is not fear a natural thing and necessary for man's preservation, implanted in us by the provident and most gracious giver of all good things? And another person reflected on when he was a small child, and he walked with his father to see his grandmother, who lived about three miles from their home. And they remained longer than they should have, and night began to overtake them. And so between their home and the grandmother's home was a swamp. And that night, the frogs were croaking, and the crickets were chirping, and it was dark, and so there were all the shadows of the trees, and the small child was frightened. And he said to his father, is there any danger of something catching us? And he assured the child that there was no danger. And he asked the same question again. Is something going to catch us out here? No, son. You're not in danger. And as his father saw that he was frightened, he took his son's hand and he said, I will not allow anything to harm you. And with that phrase, all the boy's fears passed away and he was ready to face the world. His father had him by the hand. Now, the story speaks to our Heavenly Father having us by the hand to take away our fears, but also to the fact that the simple presence of another person takes away our fears. Few of us would have ventured into the Samaritan Inn or Baptist Friendship House alone, but when we walked in with a dozen other people, their presence took away most of our fear. And so let your mind wander a bit to respond to this question. What do you fear? Some of us fear death. or being alone when we die. Some of us fear pain. Some of us fear losing our jobs or our homes or our relationships. And again, fear is not sinful. It's a part of our human makeup. We are created to be fearful for our self-preservation. The area in which we do have control is deciding what we do with our fears. Do we let them rule us? And by doing so, bury our gift in the ground? During World War II, a military governor met with General George Patton in Sicily. And this governor praised Patton highly for his courage and bravery, and the general replied, Sir, I'm not a brave man. The truth is, I am an utter, craven coward. I have never been within the sound of gunshot or in sight of battle in my whole life that I wasn't so scared that I had sweat in the palms of my hands. General Patton. And yet, years later, when Patton's autobiography was published, It contained this statement. I learned very early in my life 
never to take counsel of my fears. So we decide what we do with our fears when they do whatever they do to us in our stomachs, in our muscles, in our headaches, however they affect us, we decide what we will do with them. Robert Louis Stevenson's advice was, keep your fears to yourself, share your courage with others. And yet at the same time, there is a benefit to being able to share our fears with others too. Hollywood, for Fred Astaire, was a high-risk venture. He took the critique, can't act, can't sing, can dance a little, and used that to propel him into his long and upstanding career. A story that reminds us that in time, our failures become forgotten footnotes. The life of Christianity, if we do it right, is a high-risk venture. Sometimes we take baby steps, like coming to church. And yesterday, one of our elders reminded us that sometimes we have to take leaps of faith. It was a leap of faith for 30-some people from Roanoke Baptist Church to meet in December of 1890 during a snowstorm and begin planning for what became Calvary Baptist Church. It was a leap of faith back in the 40s and 50s and other times for some members of this congregation to leave the home church they loved and go elsewhere and start a new congregation in other parts of the Roanoke Valley. It was a leap of faith for Calvary member Eva Sanders, whose picture is downstairs in the dining room, to go to Nigeria in the 20th century as a missionary. And it was a leap of faith for the congregation to support her with offerings and gifts. It's a leap of faith for the people who go on mission trips from here each year, not knowing what they'll encounter. And it is a step of faith for you, congregation members, to support them. It is a leap of faith each time we gather to open ourselves to the Holy Spirit's ability to work within us. Faith is easier when we're together. Faith is easier when we're working and when we're on mission, not alone, but but, but with each other. That's why we go to church. Why do we have to go to church, I've heard? And I've heard that from not just pastor's kids. I said it myself many years ago. But it's because we need each other. We need a place where we can come and feel open to the Spirit. We need people surrounding us to walk with us through those doors that are so large and looming if we're alone, but are warm and friendly when we have a person walking through it with us. We need each other. And this valley needs Calvary Baptist Church. And so I'm excited about the coming decades with you. Let's pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful for those people who have cared for this congregation 
and cared for you enough to make it meaningful. We pray for your help in making it meaningful to others as well. Guide us with hope and with courage and help us to invest our talents in the ways that you want us to. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen.